This is another message brought to you by the Remodel Church. For several weeks now, we've been looking and studying and diving a little bit deeper into the life of David. David, the man that that uh, killed and slayed Goliath. That's probably what he's most famous for. David was second king over Israel. David was father to the smartest, wisest man to ever live. Um, David was a warrior. Um, he was he was a a fighter man. I mean, from day one, he would take care of his father's sheep, and if a lion or if a bear came, he would kill it with his bare hands. This dude is like Bear Grylls has got nothing on him. This dude was crazy. And uh, so he was a warrior. He went off to battle, and, and they used to sing of David. David killed ten thousands. Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his ten thousands. And uh, today we're going to be in Second Samuel, chapter six. And by now, David is around thirty to thirty-two years old, and he's king. And uh, <clears throat> as king, he wants to do. He wants to make one big political move to solidify his kingship and to solidify his kingdom and so that everyone would see that that he really is king and not just king, but he is the chosen king of God. So he decides he's going to go get this thing called the Ark of, of, of God or the Ark of Covenant. And uh, this is in 2 Samuel chapter 6. Go ahead and find that. And I'm going to explain a few things to you while you find it. 2 Samuel chapter 6 is going to be in the Old Testament. So the Ark of God or the Ark of Covenant, a few things that you need to know is one, it's not a boat. It was not Noah's Ark. Uh, the Ark was actually more of a, uh, like a chest. Uh, I don't know if, if some of you ladies still have them, uh, like a trunk. What, what are those things called that like are supposed to be at the foot of your bed and you keep all of the blankets and, and a what? A trunk? A coat chest? Hope? Hope? H-O-P-E? I am married. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know. My mom had one. Um, <clears throat> we don't have one, obviously. Um, but anyways, that's, that's more, more like what it looked like, except for it was very, very fancy, built out of the absolute best materials that could be found at that time. Matter of fact, a lot of gold was used in, was, was, uh, used in the construction of it. The, uh, something very, very cool about it is it contained the original copy of the Ten Commandments. That's kind of a big deal. Moses goes up this mountain and... and uh, God speaks to him and gives him the Ten Commandments. Moses writes them in his iPhone real quick. No, no, no iPhone. He, he inscribed them on two pieces of stone. And this Ark of God or the Ark of Covenant um, contained these, these, uh, this original copy of the Ten Commandments. And the reason it was built is it was, re- it was built for a reminder, to be a reminder of the covenant or the promise or pact that God had made with Israel. You see, God had an encounter with Israel after he took them out of Egypt and he let them know, you are my chosen people. And, uh, 
as Moses is, is uh, delivering or, or leading them out of Egypt and to the chosen place, uh, he, he asks or he orders people to build the Ark of Covenant. And again, it's just a reminder to let people know, hey, we are, us, Israel, we are the chosen people of God. And we have a pact with God that he's going to be with us, that he's going to provide for us, that he's going to take care of us. And so that was its purpose. And it was located in those times there, the presence of God didn't roam the earth freely, but it was contained into uh, like a tent. A, they called it the tabernacle or the temple of God. And this ark, this covenant, this ark of covenant was located in the most holy place. So imagine this holy tent, if you will, and then it's sectioned off into a couple other rooms. And there's another, uh, there's another room that is the most holy room. And only one person would go into this room once a year. And it would be the priest or the pastor of that time. And what their, their responsibility to go, to do at that time was they called it the Day of Atonement. That's a day when they would bring in a sacrifice to God into this holy room for everybody, for the entire kingdom. And this is how intense it was. Whenever this man would walk in, this priest or this preacher would walk into this room, they would have a rope tied to their waist with a bell. And they would walk into this holy of holiest rooms And if God did not accept the sacrifice for the atonement, if you will, the forgiveness of everybody's sins, not just his, but everybody. And if this priest wasn't, I mean, just 100% walking with God, the dude would fall dead immediately. And nobody could dare go in and get him. That's why there was a rope tied to his waist and they would pull him out. I believe there were a lot less pastors back then. I mean, it's a tough job now. They say ministry is very easy until people get involved. Look at somebody and say, I'm people. I'm people. So it's a tough job now. Very, very, very tough job back then. So, so anyways, and this is where it was located, this Ark of Covenant. Again, it, it, it had the Ten Commandments inside of it and... It was inside of the holiest of holy, holy places. And nobody could touch the ark. No, you weren't supposed to touch it. No, uh, even priests weren't supposed to touch it. And the only way it could be moved was actually by priest. And so the way they would move it is it actually had on each side of it had two wooden poles. And the priest would pick it up on their shoulders. And there'd be, I don't know, four or six of them. I don't know how many of them. But they'd each pick it up on their shoulders. And then the cool thing is this. Listen, the ark of God actually represents, is a symbol for the glory of God and the blessings of God. So whenever they would pick up this ark and put it on their shoulders to carry it, they literally were carrying the glory of God on their shoulders. That's what they were literally doing. And the ark of God, as long as it was treated respectfully and handled in the right way, it brought blessings to its people, brought blessings to whoever had it. But after some time, after some years, the Bible calls them wicked men, the sons of Eli. They're going to go to battle. They're Israelites, and they're going to go to battle against the, uh, against the Philistines. 
and they choose to carry this ark out, but the reason they carry it to battle is they're using it as a good luck charm type thing. Kind of a, if we've got this and, you know, we've got to win the battle, we can't lose. They actually lose that war. 30,000 men are killed and the Philistines carry off the Ark of, of, of uh, Covenant. Man, I keep on wanting to say, say the Ark of Praise because of the church in Hot Springs. The Ark of Covenant, the, 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 the God's Ark. And uh, 30,000 people men their, lose their life. The Philistines take it. But then the Philistines return it quickly because every city they took it to ended up being infested with diseases. And tumors, people would begin to get tumors, so they'd move it to another city, and their disease would break out, and tumors would break out. They'd move it to another city. Finally, they said, we have got to get rid of this, and so they take it back over to Israel. And uh, it stays there for some time. It, it actually stays uh, in the house of Abinadab, which we'll see that here in a little bit, in the house of Abinadab for about 20 years, idle, nothing happening, nothing going on, until... David decides here in chapter 6, David decides to go get it. Now, this is why I explained everything to you. So, so remember, back then the presence of God was in this tent, in this uh, uh, tabernacle or temple, if you will. And, and nobody had access except for the priests. And if they weren't right before God or if the people weren't right before God, they would fall dead right there. Well, you see, on the day that Jesus died... When Jesus carried that cross up that hill and when he stretched out his hands and when he took his last breath and he said, it is finished. You see that there was an earthquake that came over the, the, the ground. And as the ground shook, it shook the temple and it ripped the veil. It ripped the temple, the tent in half. And whenever it ripped the temple, then what it did is it allowed the spirit of God to flow out over the earth. You guys think I'm getting really weird right now, don't you? You know, here's the funny thing is this actually is not weird. You know what's weird? All of us for thinking this is weird. I mean, this is actually very, very normal. It's just us that's, we've screwed stuff up so bad. Anyways, so the presence of God comes out of this veil. And it's because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Remember Whenever a priest went into the presence of God, what did he have with him? Well, he had a rope, but he also had a sacrifice for atonement of of everybody's sins. So whenever that veil, or when Jesus was our sacrifice, that veil ripped because the perfect sacrifice had already been given. You guys still following me? All of this is going to tie together, I promise you. And so now... Because the pres- God's presence and God's glory, we felt God's presence, did we not just now? You see, before, before, before Jesus' sacrifice, this, things like this weren't able to happen. We would have had to wait for a priest to go in and, and uh, hopefully everything was great and he was able to walk back out and, and we were forgiven of our sins. But now God's presence roams freely and every single one of us can experience his presence. Every single one of us can feel his glory and feel his presence. This is how it all ties together. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Everybody go there. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 
First Peter is going to be at the very, towards the very, very back of your Bible. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. I want to read that one more time, and I want, us all to, I want this all to sink in. Remember, before the veil was torn, before the sacrifice of Jesus, only the priests could go in and move, or, 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 yeah, move the Ark of Covenant, and only the priests could have the presence of God in their lives and, and in their hearts or experience the presence of God. But because of God's, or because of Jesus' sacrifice, now we can all experience grace. Now we can all experience His presence. And verse 9, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, says but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light who once were not a people but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy you are a royal priesthood let's pray God we thank you so much for your presence that we've already experienced and felt in this place. And we thank you so dearly for your sacrifice and and for uh, ripping that veil so that we could experience your grace, so that we can experience your presence and your power. God, help us this morning to understand and wrap our minds around these passages here. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, telling us that, that we are a royal priesthood. And help us to to correlate that with 2 Samuel chapter 6 this morning. God, help us to understand your word. Help us to receive your word. But God, more than anything, help us to live your word out. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, Amen. 2 Samuel chapter 6. So this is what's going on in in 2 Samuel chapter 6. Again, David is now king, and he has just been king for a short while. And he decides, he talks to a couple of people, gets some advice, and he decides it's a good idea for us to go ahead and get the Ark of God, the Ark of Covenant. And so he decides to go out and do that, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. What was wrong, what he did wrong, where he messed up, is, he, is the way that he did it, the attitude that he did it with. And so this morning, we're going to talk about carrying God's glory, carrying God's glory. One of the first things, if we read uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from, from Baal, Judah, to, be, to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by, by the name, the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. So the first thing, the first mistake that David made is that he made it a public display in trying to to move the ark of God or trying to move in God's glory. The first mistake that he made is he tried to make it a public display, tried to make it, um, uh, you know, in front of 30,000 men. He tried to make it a big political statement. Matthew I've got it there in your notes. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. Jesus says, when you pray, he says, don't be like the hypocrites who go stand on the street corners or on the synagogues and yell out as loud as they can, praying loud prayers. He says, but you go, lock yourself in your room and pray in secret. 
And he says, your father who sees what is done in secret, talking about God, will reward you publicly. So one of David's very first or David's first mistake was he wasn't trying to do this to be a blessing to the people. He wasn't doing this to be a blessing to God. He wasn't doing this because he wanted to worship God. But this was a big power move for David. You with me? When we begin to go to church just to be seen by other people, when we begin to pray just to be seen, when we lift up our hands just to be seen, whenever we do charity work or whenever we give just to be seen or just to be rewarded, you know, I, 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 I cannot remember how many times I heard a preacher say, and it is nowhere to be found in the Bible, but it sure does sound good and it gets a lot of amens. But I heard a lot of preachers say, grow when I was growing up, man, if you give God a dollar, he's going to bless you with 10. And if you give him 10, he's going to bless you with 100. Anybody ever been in one of those services? Be honest. Come on. We're in Polk County. We all listen to the same guys. Come on. Man, I heard tons of preachers do that. And so me, a little 12-year-old kid, don't have any money, but I'm doing some math. I wonder how much. If I give 78 cents, that means blah, 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 blah. And since I did go to Wicks Public Schools, I'm good at math, so $7.80. Y'all thought I was going to go the opposite way with that, didn't y'all? See, and whenever we begin to do things just for the reward or for the benefit of it, you see, that's exactly, again, that's where David messed up first. Is he wasn't moving God's covenant and he, or, or the Ark of Covenant. He wasn't moving it for, for God. He was moving it for public display for his own benefits, for his own rewards. The second thing that that David did wrong is he did everything how everybody else stopped to do it. Now, if, if we were to study and go really, really deep, there was a specific way, and, and I shared a little bit, but remember I told you to move the covenant, who could move it? Or no, the Ark of Covenant, who could move it? I'm just calling it the Ark. The priest. And only the priests. And they weren't able, they weren't allowed to touch it, remember? Just the, the wooden poles. And so David decides we're going to be more efficient. And he's getting advice from his buddies there. And they actually build this thing and set the ark on oxen. So they get a couple of ox and say they'll be faster. They won't get as tired. And it'll be a lot easier. And so they pick this ark up and put it on these oxen. And, and while these ox are walking down the road, taking it, one of them slips. When one of them slips, the ark shifts just a little bit, and a man grabs it, does what most of us, probably, yeah, I'd say most of us would have done, is he just reacted, and he went to touch it, went to hold it, to keep it from falling, and as soon as he did, you know what happened? He died. That's right, he died. You see, David started listening to everybody else about how he should handle this. About how he should go about doing this. He, was, he worried about what everybody else thought and he didn't take time to realize God actually has a specific way to transport this. God has a specific way to handle this. And I think so many of, of us, so many times, we start listening too, too often times, we start listening and thinking and caring about what everybody else thinks instead of what God thinks. 
And we'll be going through a situation and there'll be something coming up in life. And instead of going and seeing that God has a way that we should handle this, instead of looking through the Bible and trying to figure out what God wants or what God, how, how God wants us to handle this, we just start listening to our buddies. And we'll just say, well, if that's what you think, then that's good for me. That's what David did. And when David did that, it cost a man his life. I'm not saying that if you listen to your buddy, somebody's going to end up dead. I, I sure hope not. But what I am saying is it's better to handle things in our lives the way God wants us to and not listen to our buddies. You guys with me? The third thing, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 8, says that David got mad. He was angry. This man just fell dead because he touched the ark. And David isn't, he's not mourning, he's not sad, but he's angry. And again, he's angry because this was supposed to be a big political statement. Everybody was supposed to see how great David is and how much God's favor is upon David. And he, this was supposed to solidify him as not only a, 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 a great warrior, but as a leader over a nation. And it went wrong. For David, moving the ark was all about himself. You see, if all of our prayers are all about ourselves, then we're doing it wrong. If you live your entire life and all you care about throughout your entire life is number one, yourself, then you're living life very wrong and very shallow. But here David is moving this and trying to move this covenant or, or this ark Not for, again, not for the people, not for God, not in worship to God, not in honor to God, not even in honor to the people, but it's all about himself. And so just listen to your prayers. And when you pray, what do you pray about? Who do you pray for? And if you never pray for anyone else, and if in every single prayer you're always asking for yourself a a, a better job or a better home or a better family or or I sure wish, or if you start praying, I sure wish that you would change my wife because she's making my life miserable. Maybe you need to pray that God would change your heart. You guys with me? See, it's so much easier to pray for God to change somebody else, isn't it? It's so much easier to give constructive criticism. Than, it, than what it is to receive it. Right? Very few of us probably ever ask anybody for any type of constructive criticism. And even though nobody asks us to give any, we got plenty of it to give, don't we? And we give plenty of it. You see, if your entire life is all about you, all of your prayers are all about you, everything you do in life is all about you, Everything that you spend your money on is all about you. Every second of every day, everywhere that you go, and everything that you do is all about you. Man, you are living 
a very sad and very meaningless life. That is not what you were created for. That is not God's purpose for your life. And you'll never have enough, man. You never will. You'll never be satisfied and you'll never be happy. After this, David leaves the ark. Remember, the ox slipped. I think his name was Isaiah. He, he touched the ark. He dies. David gets mad, but then he also gets, a, gets scared, and he says, let's just leave it here. And he leaves it there for about three months in that city. And then people come and tell David, hey, David, you know that city that you left the ark in? They are being blessed. God is moving in them. And God is doing incredible things. And so God or David decides, okay, then it is a good thing. Let's go ahead and and bring it home then. But then David does some research. And David, instead of just listening to his buddies and saying, what do you think? He actually goes and does some research and finds out, oh, the priests are supposed to move it. Nobody else is supposed to do this. And we're supposed to be giving sacrifices and we're supposed to be worshiping while we're doing this. And it's supposed to be all about God, not about ourselves. And so David goes back and he brings priests with them and he takes plenty of sacrifices to give. And he goes back and gets them. And this is a few things that I want to notice. To do things the right way. To carry God's glory the right way. To carry the spirit of God that is inside of you the right way. Number one, you got to do everything God's way. Do things God's way. Matthew chapter 6 Verse 33, circle that in your, in your notes to read it at home. Matthew chapter 6, 33 says that if we will seek first the kingdom of God, then everything else will be added to us. If we will seek first the kingdom of God, everything else will be added to us. Proverbs chapter, where am I at? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6 says, In all of your ways acknowledge God. In everything that you do, acknowledge God. You see, in our life, we have to stop doing things just because they feel right or just because they feel good. And we have to take some time and we need to ask some questions. How does this affect my relationship with God? How is this going to affect my family and their relationship with God? In all your ways, Proverbs 3, 6, man, that's a good one just to put up on the refrigerator, on the mirror. In all your ways, acknowledge God. In everything that you do, acknowledge the Creator, God, and what He wants for your life. The second thing that David begins to do is he begins to carry it with reverence with worship, and with worship. He begins giving sacrifices and he begins to do things the right way instead of doing things everybody else's way. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 says that it is through Jesus and it is through his sacrifice that we can gain entrance to the Father. So whenever we begin to live our lives and whenever we begin to carry God's glory because it is on us because of Jesus' sacrifice, whenever we begin to do that, we need to understand that we need to be respectful of some things and we need to be mindful of some things. Now, now we, do, we do church a little bit differently than most churches that are right down the road from us. 
here, but there are still several things that we honor and that we respect. Now, we don't open up a book and sing out of a hymnal here, and, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. If you, if you like that, that is great. I just like drums. I'm going to be honest with you. I like drums, and I like guitar, and I like loud music. And that's just me. That's, that's, that's us. That's who we are as a church. And we like to sing loud and we, and we like all of these things. But again, there are other things that we have not changed, that we would never dare change. And one of those things is what this Bible says. You see, the sad thing is there's so many part-time Christians that are manipulating the Bible. And it's funny because, because there's some people, man, they'll, they'll read some things and, and they'll twist it to, to fit them. You know what I'm saying? And, and they get to, and, and they pick and choose which scriptures they want and which scriptures uh, we want to apply into our lives. Man, that, that's not living for God. You see, we, we either have to take the Bible for its entirety or we don't take any of it. We either believe that everything that the Bible says is true or none of it is true. And if any of the Bible can be disproven, then that disproves everything that we believe. But we know that it's true, don't we? We know that everything that's written in the Bible is true. We know that it was inspired word of God through the Holy Spirit. We understand these things and we know these things. And so we'll live our life accordingly to that. With sacrifice, with reverence, with worship. The third thing that David does this last time, and I love it, and I want you guys to go there with me. Second Samuel chapter 6, we're going to jump around just a little bit. We're going to read verse 14, then we're going to jump down to 16, and then we're going to jump down to 20 through 22. So Second Samuel chapter 6, verse 14. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So, so what David's wearing here is pr- pretty much, um, if you will, a prayer cloth. It's what he used to wear or what he would wear whenever he's praying and whenever he's uh, trying to get advice or trying to speak to God. He's wearing a, 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 a prayer cloth. And before, he was wearing his king's robe. Again, before, it was all about him and how powerful he looked. Now he's wearing his prayer cloth and he's dancing around. He's worshiping. Uh, jump down to verse 16. Now as, a, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, which happened, happened to be David's wife, um, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in his heart. Jump down to verse 20 through 22. Then David returned to bless his household, and Michael, remember this is, uh, this is David's wife, Daughter of Saul came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants, as one of the base uh, fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. A little sarcasm there. How glorious the king of Israel looked today. Verse 21, So David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father. And all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord and I will be even more undignified than this and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maid servants of whom you have spoken by them, I will be held in honor. 
And I will be, man, I, I would encourage you guys to, to highlight that first part of verse 22. And I will be even more undignified than this and will be humble in my own sight. It is all about God. That second time, the second attempt, David does it right and he realizes this life and my actions and what I'm doing, it's not all about me. It's not about my own ambitions. It's not just about my own family, but it should always be all about God. And everything that you do in life and everything that you go through in life should give glory, should give honor to God. You guys with me? That's why the Bible says in everything, in everything that you do, do it as unto God. Matter of fact, I, be, I, I want to say that it's in Philippians. Uh, don't quote me on this. But, but Paul actually is talking to slaves. He's talking to slaves. And he's saying, you honor your masters so that they can see God through you. That's incredible, isn't it? Is it not? So in everything that we do, every step that we take, every decision that we make, when we're at home, when we're at work, whenever we're doing whatever, let's do it all to honor God. Let's live for more than ourselves. Let's think beyond ourselves. And let's just understand that there is a big God out there and he is working on my behalf, so I want to work on his behalf. This is the end of the message. For more information, please visit theremodelchurch.com.